Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Craze in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode two of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by a good friend of mine, Marcel Edwards. Hey, Marcel. Hello, good morning. How are you this morning? I'm a little stuffed up, so pardon my voice, but otherwise, I'm excited to be here. When we're excited to have you. Um, we're going to jump right into the interview. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Don't you hate it when people say that because you're all of a sudden have performance anxiety? All right. <laughs> okay, who am I? I am female. I am 40-plus years old and an inveterate dilettante geek. I came up with this term when you told me I was going to be on your podcast because I realized I know a lot about things geeky and perhaps maybe I have an affinity for more geeky things than most, but for the most part, I just, you know, I, I float on the surface, if you will. Now, my geekitude is also helped, of course, because I am a fellow English teacher and, you know, our school is Haven for Geeks. Right. So... After, what, 12 years of working, I feel like, you know, my, my cachet, if you will, has grown a bit. But yes, yeah, so English teacher, juniors, um, I write on the side, but I feel that's such a stereotypical thing to say. <laughs> the English teacher working on her novel, I do. And I have kids myself, so I guess I could say I'm a mom, but I don't like to talk about that, especially after that lovely professional development thing we went through. Oh, yes. No, no no personal lives. Teachers no. are automatons that must plug in at the end of the, yes. the evening. Yes, yes. We are robots that live at school. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's me. It's not very exciting. I don't really have any professional, you know, things attached to my name. No PhDs, no nothing. But, you know, good friend of Joe's there. That's my thing. So what areas do you feel like you have very strong geekitude in? All right. Well, Doctor Who, of course because that's just my first love. I would say Star Wars, but with the extreme hype for the movie and how everyone's really pretty much jumping on the bandwagon old and new, I feel like maybe I'm, I would put myself at the maybe 75% Star Wars geekitude compared to most. Love movies. Absolutely love them. Uh, I would probably kick butt a trivial pursuit for especially 80s movies. Nice. And, but I'm not a gamer. Never have been. And music, I enjoy but ever since Spotify and ever since being able to compile my own list, and I only listen to the same, like, 20 songs on repeat, not a big music geek. Yeah, and that's cool because everybody has their areas that they're really into, and there's there's so much geek stuff out there that nobody can be a geek at everything. That's it's true. Just, oh, it's impossible. Did, yeah, did I mention anime, too? Yes, that's my thing. I should since I'm doing the anime elective, but, yeah, that that's my area of strong geek. Very cool. Yes, and I, I keep going to you and saying you have to get me into anime, and then <laughs> we, we, we get sidetracked, and then I come back several months later, okay, what should I watch? All right, well, we'll talk about it later. We get sidetracked. So we will have to, once again, try and figure out what is going to get Joe into anime. You know, and then maybe this podcast will, will, will be the thing that gets you in, because we shall schedule a meeting, and then you have to have to watch. Yeah, exactly. We'll have you on to talk about anime, and then I'll have to watch something so I know what we're talking about. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you said that your geekitude levels were low in video games. Is there is there a, a story to that? that... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So in high school, back in the, well, all right. So Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and all that was middle school. So in high school, the big thing was Street Fighter. You remember this? Yes. Okay. Gosh, we're dating ourselves. We are. Yes. But, but we're not talking Street Fighter. I'm talking about the big clunky 
you know, consoles that you find at your local video arcade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would go, you know, it's Friday night and you've got a date or whatever. And the guy that I was dating at the time loved Street Fighter. And so did all his buddies. And so date night Friday night meant going to the local showboat. It was called Showboat in Puente Hills and watching this guy kick butt on Street Fighter. So part of me is like, oh, hey, that's my boyfriend and he's kicking your butt. But the other part of me is like, okay, do you remember how they would put the quarters on top of the console to save their spots? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. He had over like $5 saved up, but he can literally, he could have literally played an entire hour on one quarter. So essentially my date night was standing behind him while he was playing Street Fighter. I think his favorite character was Blanca. And he would just play and then all of a sudden he'll remember me and go, hey, do you need to go home? Uh, yeah. Four hours later. Oh no. Oh no. games and I do not mesh. Now, oddly enough, I like watching people play video games and with the advent of all these amazing, you know, Final Fantasy and Call of Duty, like all these video games now that look like movies, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind watching people play, but I do not want to pick up a console to save my life. Uh-uh. All right. Th- this is a good public service announcement to all those geeks out there on date night, you know, ladies or gentlemen, whoever is playing the video game, put down the video game and pay attention <laughs> to your significant other. Thank you. That was a great PSA. <laughs> oh, Very see, now good. I'm scarred. I just think about it makes me go, wow. Uh, well, you know, maybe we'll find a, a, an easy, like, introduction back in and, mm. uh, and, and, and get you something fun so you can, can up your geekitude in video games. I, I can't even play Mario Brothers. Okay, I get all frazzled. Oh, no, he's going to die. <laughs> No, no, he comes back to life again. You don't even need to put in more quarters. Okay. What are you working on right now? Any projects? Anything going on? Mm, all right. Well, I suppose that aforementioned work in progress novel has has been going on. It, it was so sad too because two summers ago I really went balls out. Can I say balls out? You can say whatever you want. All right. <laughs> I went balls out on this sucker, as in I sat down, in fact, where I'm sitting right now currently in the study, and I gave myself a deadline, and every day I was writing 3,000 words. It was basically my own self-imposed NaNoWriMo. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're familiar with NaNoWriMo. Yes, right? yes, yes. Right. National Novel Writing Month, which is in November. And so I would, and I would write, and I had over 100,000 words in this epic. Oh, wow. That was two summers ago, and then last summer, my children sort of strangled my time and then this year I was thinking all right this is the year especially since we have good kids you know and Mm -hmm. maybe I can breathe a little bit from the whole teaching gig and maybe go back to writing and then I read halfway through my novel and realized I don't like the POV I'm gonna change it all up oh no (laughs) I'm ditching a hundred thousand words and I'm gonna start from scratch so I suppose you could call that what I'm working on right now it's in the back of my mind every time I well every time I'm awake basically but aside from that uh I'm keeping up on Doctor Who, of course, because the new season started. That's what I'm working on. And also this zombie thing. And you and I need to confer on that because I want to do a zombie unit for my kids this year. That's very cool. We're going we're gonna to talk about that and keep it geek this week. So, yeah, I'm very excited that you're doing that. The kids are going to have a lot of fun with it. Oh, we hope. <laughs> 
I do have a fashion blog, or I should call it a style blog. It's called My Closet Catalog, and catalog is spelled the French way, so it's G-U-E at the end. So myclosetcatalog.com, and what I usually do is I post my OOTDs, that's outfit of the day. And since I really only ever get dressed to work, I don't do weekends because I live in my jammies over the weekends. You get five regular posts of what I wear when I go to work and musings about my life. I suppose, and perhaps some tips and tricks for how to dress appropriately. And now you hear my dog in the background. You hear him? <laughs> that's okay. Yes, we do hear the, him, but that's okay. We don't He's mind. Jack the Beast. Apparently, there's someone at the door, and he goes ballistic. But back to my favorite fandom. Currently, it is Doctor Who. And I say currently because I do, I'm very sporadic with my fandoms. It really depends. It's almost like learning a language, yeah? Mm-hmm. So you get into class, and you're all gung-ho, and the novelty of speaking Farsi overwhelms you, and, and, and everything, you drop these Farsi things in, in conversation, and then all of a sudden you realize nobody is dropping Farsi back, <laughs> and you're like, um, well, maybe not, and then you switch over, or is that just me? I think that's just me. Mm. No, I think it makes sense. I think I think it's true. I have a friend who says, you know, he can't watch a show unless he knows other people are watching it because he he needs to be able to talk to somebody about it. And, exactly. And, and so he'll he'll lose entire shows that he really likes just because eh, there's nobody to talk to him about it, so he stops that's, talking. That's my feeling. And since you know, I sort of lost you a little bit last year. Well, I always lose you every year with with drama. You know, when the drama things get get on, that's why I dropped S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm so sorry, but I had nobody to talk to about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so I dropped it mid-season last year. But right now, we have a strong Whovian presence on campus, mm-hmm. especially with the juniors. They're, they keep coming up to me and sort of eyebrow-raising me, going, hey, so what do you think of the new doctor? And then we and they draw me into conversation. Personally, I think they do that because they don't want to, you know, study. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And they're trying to get, they're trying to distract me a bit. However, so yes, Doctor Who is my favorite fandom of the moment. Very, very good. And do you have any guilty pleasure fandoms? Anything that you watch that you're like, oh, people kind of would make fun of me or tease me because it's so not cool, but I still love it? Oh, my guilty pleasure, I think, and because I hinted at it just earlier on, I might as well explain. I love Project Runway. Project Runway is my guilty pleasure. And it's guilty on so many levels. Number one, because in a sense, it's a reality show. Mm -hmm. And and as you know, I have this very strong antipathy for reality shows. I think it's the dumbing down of our generation that we no longer appreciate scripted programs. And we just watch people go at it. And and even that is scripted in a way, too. But still, it's just the level of depth in a reality show is, is, is nil. So the fact that Project Runaway is a reality show is is guilty enough as it is. And then the fact that it's fashion. I suppose in my mind, fashion is also very superficial and very shallow because it's about people's surface, I I suppose. And so saying, oh, I love Project Runaway makes me feel, you know, and and I apologize to all blondes everywhere, makes me feel that the blonde in me is coming out to be stereotypical, right? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. But I no, I watch it. That is the one show that never leaves my DVR queue. I follow it religiously. I've actually purchased items created by the contestants just because I can say, ooh, this is a Christian Siriano. You know, but yeah, that's, that's what I do. That's very cool. But it's, it's fun. I, I've stopped watching it. Um, I watched it a couple seasons before I, I met my husband, and we kind of watched it a couple seasons after we met. And then I they changed networks, and mm-hmm. my TiVo stopped picking it up, and I didn't want to pick it up mid-season, so I, we just kind of let that one go, but I definitely did enjoy it. It was a fun fun thing to watch. 
Well, yeah, because Heidi Klum is is equally vicious and sweet, and you just kind of wonder, are you bipolar, lady? (laughs) I would be terrified to be in her presence. Well, very good. Well, thank you for coming on the show. We're excited to to get to know you a little bit, and uh, I think this this, this point we'll move on to what we did this week to keep it geek. Yes, absolutely. I had a a relatively geeky week this week. Kind of (laughs) a lot of different things happened. I was really excited to have Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. come back on. So that was really exciting. And I know that you haven't completely caught up, but it's something that you're probably going to go back to this uh, season? Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, I think I'd mentioned to you that I wanted to do Agent Carter first because it was shorter. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I hear that they're going to come up with a new season of her. Yes? Is that true? Yes, they are. They are. They're, I think, setting her in L.A. this year. Ooh, fascinating. Okay, so I was going to binge watch her, and then I was going to pick up S.H.I.E.L.D., and then I got sick, so I had, <laughs> I had no binge-watching happening this weekend, and then I was bummed because I know you were going to talk about, or at least would would want to talk about the season premiere, but I actually don't mind super spoilers, so if you wanted to geek out, I will geek out with you, because I, I think I'm caught up enough with the series that I know of which you speak. Okay. Well, the the big thing this season is, is, you know, it's all about the Inhumans, which are basically people on Earth that have alien DNA in them. Okay. And they get triggered by this thing called Terrigen Mist. And hmm. that has been released into the, the, the population at this point. It's, it's kind of made its way into the ecosystem. And so anybody who has these powers okay. are suddenly gaining their powers. If they have this alien DNA, all of a sudden they have superpowers. Okay, pause, pause. Alien DNA. So then do they ever explain how these people have alien DNA? Is it just through sexual intercourse? Is it like, oh, you know, an alien bled on me and now I have alien DNA, or do they never get into that? I think it was a little confusing last season. I think it's basically aliens seeded the DNA into the population back in the day. That That is my understanding. I'm sure somebody who's a bigger geek than I is, right. is like, that's wrong. But that's my <laughs> that's my understanding of how it worked. Like, it's not a, you know, this is the third generation of uh, right. a human-alien mix. This is just like they seeded DNA to create something and decided to just leave it alone. And now, anytime an inhuman is comes into contact with this mm-hmm. Terrigen Mist, they get their powers. But it's very much like the X-Men, because now S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of going and rescuing all these people mm-hmm. who suddenly develop powers out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. the world is terrified of them, because, you know, all of a sudden your next-door neighbor's, like, shooting lightning bolts out of their eyes, and you're like, well, what's going on? Right, right. And so everybody's blaming it on the, the alien att- attacks mm-hmm. continuing from the original uh, Avengers movie. Right. And so it's really cool. It's it's a lot more super heroic. There's a lot more superpowers being used. I think they've upped their budget a little bit more, Yay. so production value is a lot more you know a lot more present. Right. And uh, and it just looks like last season there were some good episodes and some we have to get through these episodes. <laughs> and and from the first episode, I was like, all right, this looks like they've they've kind of finally gotten their legs. Right. And we're going to get this ongoing superhero weekly drama, which I think the the world has been hoping for. Not just sort of semi-superhero superpowers, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. full-on super team using their abilities together kind of thing. But see, I wonder, too, if this is, and I'm sure at some point it must have been very deliberate on the part of the creators, because, you know, Heroes Reborn came out mm-hmm. this, this season as well. And it, it makes me 
wonder, we were talking about zombies being reflective of society, and it makes you wonder with this sort of influx of superhero stuff, you know, both on TV and movies, what, what does that say really about society and what are we ready for? And not wanting to go all philosophical at 9.29 and <laughs> but but it it. it it makes me think sometimes, and especially if that is the direction they're going. Now, of course, there's a, that's the philosophy. It could simply be, well, we just want to beat Heroes Reborn, and we also want to turn the screws a little bit with Fox because they own X-Men. Right, and I, I definitely think that Inhumans are becoming the, the new mutants because they don't have access to mutants. Mm-hmm. So it's now, well, we'll use Inhumans, and we're going to kind of treat them like we did mutants because we want to do X-Men stories. Now, do you think they're going to do crossovers with the movie universe? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. They're they're starting to they're trying to make Inhumans mm-hmm. as familiar of a term to geeks as mutants. Oh. So that way, when it starts coming out in the movies, we go, oh, okay, we oh, know what you, this is. Right. Do you think what's his name? Oh my gosh, I'm so horrible at names. From uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, do you think they'll make him an Inhuman? I don't explained? think so, because, you I mean, uh, Star-Lord. I don't think so. I think his whole thing is he's, you know, a human, and, and he's just been kidnapped. And I'm sure he has, you know, bigger reasons to be out there, but I don't think he's an inhuman. Of course, okay. again, somebody listening to this might be screaming at the radio right now. <laughs> no, you're wrong. But uh, I, I do know that inhumans are going to become, because there's going to be an inhuman movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a, a whole group of, of characters that have been in, since I think the Silver Age, called the Inhumans. And so this is just kind of expanding on that mythology, but none of the core Inhumans have been introduced yet. Okay. Now, my question, back to S.H.I.E.L.D., though. Mm-hmm. When I've seen the ads for it on TV, you know, you have the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo in the back, but now there's really only ever three people. So have they done away with all of the extraneous people, and now it's just Coulson, Sky, and what's her name? Oh, May. And May? Is that it? Are they just... No, no, no. They've expanded it out. Um, as I geeked out with Ray last week, they they added um, uh, an actual former Avenger into the mix, and it, you know they've got a huge cast. Okay. Yeah. All right. I have to catch up. Oh, you have to catch up. You'll. You, I will. I will not let uh, the Marvel Agents of Shield discussion drop at school. <laughs> okay. We will. We will keep that up in the air. Okay. Good. Um, on Friday night, I went to Not Scary Farm. Tell me about it. You were apprehensive. I was apprehensive because it was uh, the first time I had gone in six years, and the reason I stopped going is my husband does not like to be scared. Amen to that. Yes, and <laughs> and so he doesn't like scary movies, and we've stopped watching scary movies because he doesn't like scary movies, and um, he doesn't like being startled. Yes. So I was very concerned that he was just going to hate it, but we had friends that invited us and he wanted to go with, hang out with our friends so he's like all right I will go and he he was stressed about about it for most of the week yeah, yeah I felt bad I was like if you really don't have to go if you don't want to go and he's like no I want to go I think it'll be fine I just you know I'm worried about being scared the entire night he loves you he loves <laughs> me and he loved it I was <gasps> so excited yeah. we went through the second or third maze and came out and not only was he okay but mm-hmm. he was smiling, and it was kind of like it dawned on him that he was smiling. He's like, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> okay, wait, but but let's be honest here. Was he cowering behind you the entire time you were walking through the maze? No, we had a we had a order set out where okay. our two friends were the first two, and okay. then he was number three, and <laughs> then I was number four. So uh, 
so the way we did it is he didn't get the initial scares, and he didn't get the scares from the back. So he he only got the kind of the ones that came at us from the side, and (laughs) those are kind of few and far between. And and the fact of the matter is it was four relatively sizable guys. We weren't a small presence. So if if he was a 14-year-old girl, they probably would have gone after him a lot more. (laughs) But, I mean, we're not small people. Right. And we don't look, you know, like we're very easily scarable. So I think they just kind of left us alone for the most part. We didn't get a lot of the sliders coming up to us in the, you know, out in the fog. And we didn't have a lot of people jump at us randomly. I think they were waiting for, you know, the small teenage girls to come by because they get the best screams. So. Now, what kind of monsters were they? Because I think depending on the makeup and the type of monster, I wouldn't be as scared. Were they zombie riddled? Yeah, it was a lot of zombies. It was a lot of the the monsters themselves were not anything special this year. Mm. And most of the, most of the impressiveness came from the maze design. Like they do a lot of really cool set design, and they they've started to go mm. up and actually kind of hang people from <gasps> cords. So those don't come down and scare you, but like you're, you walk into an area and all of a sudden there's something moving above you. There were more levels to the mazes than when I huh. six years ago. Right. Um, there was one maze that was a, basically the theme was werewolf cowboys. <laughs> and we got out of that maze and we kind of went, all right, that wasn't a scary maze. We might have as well have just called that the... You know the the hot guy maze because all the all the kind of hot hunky guys were made up to look like cowboys with some you know blood makeup on them. It's like you know what? Instead of being a scary maze, just have them take off their shirts, and we'll just walk through that way. You know. Oh my goodness! Well, see, I would have I wouldn't have minded that you one. No, that was a, that that like we 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 all we got out of there and everybody was like, oh, that was an awful maze. And I was like, all the hot guys were in that maze. And I was like, oh, good point. Good point. Maybe we should go and do a redo on that maze. My my personal recommendation is if you're going to go, you go early because it's not as busy. Right. Because people think, okay, I'm going to go later. But it tends to be a little bit better because the monsters aren't tired. Ah. And you can tell you can tell towards the end of the season, they've been kicked, they've been punched, <laughs> they've been, you know, they've been going boo for so long that they're just, their heart is not into it anymore. And so it's no longer novel. And so they're not as anxious to scare you anymore. I would think it would be the opposite, that they wanted to seek vengeance for <laughs> being kicked and punched. And Oh, God. well, you're still not going to get me to go. I'm, I'm going to be the w- one lone dissenter and not be into this kind of stuff. I'll just live vicariously through you. That's okay. That's okay. Like video games. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing that I did this week, based on the recommendation by Ray last week, is mm-hmm. I started listening to Rachel and Miles Explains the X-Men. Ooh. And it's incredible. Like, I don't know how much of an X-fan you are. Are, mm-hmm. But I think you would enjoy it because they're snarky and they <laughs> they make fun of the process and they have very strong opinions about the characters and they're in like half hour to 45 minute digestible chunks. Oh, I can't recommend it enough. I even kind of yelled at Ray. I'm like, thanks, Ray. Thanks. It's another thing. <laughs> another wait, wait, thing for this, me to do. Is this YouTube or podcast? No, it's a podcast. Okay. It's a podcast, and uh, they're hilarious. Half of the work is done for them because a lot of the continuity for X Men is just ridiculous. <laughs> but I, I think gonna, well, oh, I was going to ask you because if if the title is Explain the X Men, do they ever deviate from X Men? Because it seems like such a finite resource that eventually they'd run out of things to 
talk about. But you would think, but they talk about the X Men, and then they talk about the you know they had an episode. I'm only on episode five or six, but they had a whole episode about just the animated cartoons, oh. and they're going to have one about the movies, and they have one about the alternate universes, and there's been a good twenty X titles. That's true. So they, they're covering anything that was a direct splinter off of the original X-Men. And even by episode four, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm losing. I, I've <laughs> read a lot of these books, and I'm getting lost. Oh, right. But it's a lot of fun. Their take on the characters mm-hmm. is kind of one of those things that you've thought about for years, but gone, oh, you know what? Nobody's ever said that, but yeah, <laughs> Professor X is kind of a dick. <laughs> Kind of true. Yeah, I, I get it. How about you? What have you been doing that's geeky this week? All right, so I'm super excited to talk about this because I want to pick your brain also. But I decided that for literature circles this year in my class, rather than focusing on, well, in the past I focused on, you know, the great classics like Mice and Men, Grapes of Wrath, etc. I wanted something more current, mm-hmm. and perhaps this is dating me, but I, I figured zombies are very, very big right now in the culture. Right. And you had mentioned before that zombies are a reflection of society. And so I thought, okay, if I ever did get called to the carpet about a zombie unit, I am going to fall back on that validation. But right now what I want to do is I'm looking for eight solid zombie novels that lend themselves quite nicely to a three to four week literature circle unit. So, so far on my list, and now mind you, I'm going to pick your brain because A, half of these books I've not read. Right. So I'm, I'm almost nervous about introducing the unit. I'm thinking maybe I'll give myself at least a week to, to read them, but I really want to start so next week already. So anyhow, um, I'm doing World War Z, of course. Of course. Which I've not read. But I borrowed a copy, because I know your copies have gone missing many times. Yes. Now, I borrowed a copy from Sergio and... He considered it a challenge book, so I'm hoping that there's some depth to this, and you can enlighten me on that. So World War Z, and I'm doing Feed, but Feed by M.T. Anderson, I think. It's not the the zombie feed. It's the the feed story where um, it's more science fiction, and these people live out in space, and they're they're kind of like Matrix-y, that they're plugged directly into the ether. Okay. And so I, I chose this book, A, because I already had copies in my classroom, but also B, because it plays on the concept of zombie, as in we are a zombie culture, that we just listen to consumerist dreck, if you right. will. So that, and then The Girl with All the Gifts, I've talked to you about this. Yes. And it sounds a lot of it sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like an interesting yes. take on zombies. Yes, absolutely, because the protagonist is the zombie. She's a female child and she doesn't even understand what being a zombie is. And so you actually see inside this this you know when when the hunger overtakes her and how she controls it, it's quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, I fell onto I fell into this book because I was in Target of all places. <laughs> And I was going down the book aisle in Target. Who does that? But I do. And there it was. And it's this bright yellow cover. So the girl with all the gifts. So that's three. And then, mm, oh, Warm Bodies, of course. Yes. Because it's so lyrical and it's so beautiful. And I hope the kids haven't actually seen the movie because the movie does not do it justice. That's good to know because I actually enjoyed the movie. I went to go see it because a lot of people had recommended it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm hardcore zombie, so the idea of kind of a you know teen angst zombie novel was not mm-hmm. my my idea of good movie watching. But right. I really enjoyed it. I thought they they were very true to 
you know, the zombie tropes, and they didn't make it sparkly zombies. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, but if you enjoyed the movie, which it was decent, right? Mm-hmm. You are going to love the book. Just the writing itself is so phenomenal, and it does get a little bit existential mm-hmm. because it is written in R's perspective. R, by the way, which is genius. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you saw the you saw the parallel there, right? Oh, R yes. and Julia. Okay, yes. but it, it's just it's that's my favorite, I think, of all of them because for someone who is not zombified like I am, it was a wonderful intro into that world without the squick factor. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. And then I know I talked a little bit about Dark Inside and Ashes, and I know those, those two you're not familiar with. No. But again, it's less the, oh, um, airborne virus, we become zombies kind of thing, but more of a psychological, we were, I, I hate to say religious, but it's almost like we were possessed by this unknown demon kind of mm-hmm. thing. So the whole thing is unexplained. And I think Ashes reads like a little bit like Walking Dead, because it's how she survives in the wilderness. Okay. Whereas Dark Inside reads a little bit like Walking Dead in the city because they're like, you know, running around in buildings and trying to survive. And both books are teenage protagonists, which I tried to keep because of the teenage audience. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my, I guess my question to you is, so see, here I'm geeking out and I'm, I'm reading these zombie things and, and, and getting involved, but how would you sustain a three-week discussion on zombies, like where would you go with that? Would you give the kids questions? Would you give them extra reading besides the novel? Would you have them dissect the novel just for the novel's sake? Where would you go? Well, I think the the way to start is to kind of ask the question, why zombies? Mm. Why, why are zombies compelling right now? Mm-hmm. Why are all of these different novels looking at quote-unquote zombies, but they're taking them from different perspectives? Mm-hmm. You know, what is what is the central theme that, that zombies are trying to say about our society. And I think as long as you're kind of having them work the discussion that way, mm-hmm. they're going to have a lot of stuff to go off of. Because it's a very open-ended question, and I think everybody can take a different view. I was going to say, they probably also have a lot more source material than I do, because they just, by the movies alone, which I don't watch, mm-hmm. they can probably draw parallels, yeah? Right, absolutely. Hmm. I'm intrigued. We, we shall see. So you have to wish me luck on this. Oh, definitely. I don't, if, I don't know if I'm going to start it next week or if I'm going to start it the week after, but for sure. So that's that's my one major sort of geek thing I did this week. But yeah, I I, I think it's because I've been ill, <laughs> which is a shame. It's it, like when you're when you're too sick to to geek out, that's yeah. just a bad day. I didn't even have Watch It Wednesday. I'm so bummed. You know about Watch It Wednesday. Uh, you've mentioned it to me, but but go ahead and mention it again. Okay, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. Again, this is such a public forum. Every other Wednesday during my prep period when I'm supposed to be prepping for class, I have a guest come over. It's Brian, who uh, class of 2014. And so he comes because he just goes to the college down the street. And so he comes down. And during my prep period, we totally geek out and just watch anime. Mm -hmm. So I lock my doors and pretend that I'm working. But really, we're just watching anime. Although this year, I can justify doing this because, you know, I run the anime elective. So I have to be up on all the new titles. Exactly. It's it's prep work. You're you're doing prep work during your prep period, and I think that's perfectly valid. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> but, 
but I didn't get to do Watch It Wednesday this week because I had lunch with my mom. And so all of my geekness has been stripped both from illness and from other, you know, life, life circumstances. And, and I feel bad because I have nothing to contribute to your Keep It Geek This Week segment. Well, I think I think you've definitely contributed quite a bit. And um, I'm excited that you're doing a zombie unit. Yay. And I can't wait to hear how it goes and, and how you're working through that because I think it's a perfect time right now to bring all our geekiness into the classroom yeah. because it's become so mainstream that people are interested in it and so you know we, we can be the quote-unquote cool teachers and, <laughs> and get them excited about you know secretly learning stuff that they didn't realize they were yeah. learning oh wait I do have something slightly geeky now that you say that I could you know you could be a fashion geek you know how I don't like wearing things across my chest yes um, but now I've I've quantified sorry qualified it by saying I don't like having words across my chest because I've decided I have found the love of the graphic tee. So as long as there are no words in the graphic tee, I'm I'm all about hey I I gotta get some. So I have in the past month I have three new tees that I'm super proud of because one um, you know tea turtle yes. No, I'm not familiar with Tea Turtle. Okay, well, that's because Tea Turtle is mostly uh, anime, and so it's all kawaii, and kawaii is, is Japanese for cute, and it's basically these characters, and, and all the geekdoms, or all the fandoms, if you will, made into uh, anime characters. Mm-hmm. So I, I recently scored a tea that was Beauty and the Beast, so it's Belle as a Harry Potter character, but drawn in an anime style. Oh, that's cool. Because, yes, they love to do mashups. And so I've been collecting all of these graphic tees. And so, yes, I may not have geeked out, geeked out, but I geek shopped this week. (laughs) (laughs) You have just coined a new geektitude phrase. We are going to talk about geek shopping from now on. (laughs) Yes. It should be a segment because then I can be a regular because let me tell you, I online shop like a mofo. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Yay. All right. Well, let's, let's move into the news. All right, so um, we're going to try and keep it a little bit more Marvel light, although we've we've already moved into Marvel this week. But Agent Carter apparently is going to be in L.A. this season, which is very exciting. Um, now, how are they continuing her story from the last? And now, keep in mind, I've not watched the whole thing. Is it just they're just going to follow her being the sort of covert agent in a covert agency? I I don't know exactly what they're going to do with it this season. I don't know that they've. Rena- released a lot of that information. Okay. Um, the thing I liked about the first run was that it was supposed to be a miniseries. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you have converted me to the idea of the British way of doing television. Hallelujah. Which yes. is kind of just do it, tell the story in as many episodes as you need to tell it in and then be done with it. Exactly. And I think if they keep doing that with Agent Carter, mm-hmm. I think she's going to stay a very strong show. Oh, good, good. Because they're only planning what? How many episodes? Eight? I'm not quite sure, but I know it's a mid-season, so it's not going to... I, I can't imagine it's going to be more than that. That's exciting. Yay! Yeah, and I, I hope they do that a little bit more with the Netflix series, too, because I, we don't need... <laughs> we don't need a full run of these... Don't Don't add more episodes just to add more episodes. Just tell the story and be done with it. Which is why Sherlock is so brilliant. Yes. <laughs> so that's going on, but there's a couple of other things going on in television. The the Muppets mm-hmm. are being boycotted by the Million Mothers movement. Because why? Well, I, you you don't know anything about the the new Muppet Show, right? No, I don't. It's it's basically looking at the Muppets from a perspective that they have now grown up with us. 
Mm-hmm. And so now they're for a more adult audience. So they're making fun of the reality television show <laughs> format. And they're, you know, they pitched it as, oh, this is going to be a very edgy, very adult kind of thing. Okay. And oh, I, my gosh. Are they turning into, like, Avenue Q? A little bit. But that's what they want you to think. I don't think they're going that far with it. Okay. And I guess Piggy has come out as being pro-choice, mm-hmm. and that's not good in the Million Mother's eyes. And Fozzie is dating a woman, and so they they deal with kind of, in this case, interspecies um, <laughs> uh, dating. But, you know, it's obviously uh, an analogy for any any couple in society that is marginalized. And they're they're hitting these bigger issues, but without really, in my mind, going very deep with them. It's kind of like, look at what we're doing. We're not doing it that strongly, but it's there. <laughs> and so it's just weird for them to get that upset over something that's really not that bad. You know? Now, where where are they airing the Muppets show? Because I've not heard of this. Well, it's ABC because okay. it's another it's another Disney property. Okay. And but what time? What's the time slot? I think it's eight. So do you think maybe that's the reason why? Because I was thinking the way you explain it, it sounds really tame. It is very tame. But then it because it's ABC, because it's Disney, because it's 8 o'clock, maybe it's just the time slot itself. Because, you know, you look at these Muppets and you're thinking, oh, well, they're puppets, and so it must be for kids. And I'm not playing devil's advocate over something I know nothing about, but I'm just trying to wrap my mind around even the controversy. Well, I think that's part of the problem, is that I know with these kind of movements, it tends to be person A <laughs> gets a, a bee in their bonnet and right. and tells person B, and then... Person B hasn't watched it, but they're outraged because they heard <laughs> the stuff from Person A. And so then it just kind of... Snowballs. Yeah, and honestly, the promos were were more racy than, than the actual show. Like, there was a picture of Nathan Fillion coming out of <gasps> Piggy's trailer, kind of all disheveled and buttoning back <laughs> up. And, you know, the, my favorite line is, is Animal saying, uh, you know... I'll do nudity if it's tasteful. You know, you know, it's just like, it's these things that kind of imply it's going to be racy, but it was never very racy. Hmm. And the big thing that's kind of cool to watch is that they've evolved the story because Piggy and Kermit are exes and yeah. they're, they're not together. Right. Well, and speaking of interspecies, I mean, hello, how much more interspecies can you get with that? Exactly. And we've been watching that since what, the sixties? Exactly. So, so I don't and, know. Yeah. All right. Well, it's just a whole bunch of people. I I agree with what you're saying about snowballing. People should withhold their fervor until they know better. It's only one episode, people. Well, at this point, I think the the Million Mothers movement is like eight people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's a million. I think it's like six or seven, maybe eight. And now you're going to have a whole bunch of people screaming, no, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, you know what? I Bring it on. Okay. Bring it on. I have very little respect for, for people in that particular <laughs> movement. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we've we've linked up to this week is the, the Be Cool Scooby-Doo <sighs> clip that's been released by Cartoon Network. And mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge Scooby-Doo fan. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, just the nostalgia of it for me. And I can't stand the character design on these characters. I, I wish you hadn't made me click on it before the show, and I wish we'd recorded my ugh of disgust, because, A, I'd not heard about this reboot, if you will. Well, uh, hang on a minute. Is it a reboot, or is it a sequel, or is a how are they treating the Scooby-Doo? I don't know that they really ever reboot. I think it all kind of takes place in the entire same timeline, 
They never grow up. Yeah, I don't think they ever grow up. So unless you're talking about, you know, a, a pup named Scooby-Doo, which was obviously prequel to mm. to everything, I think it's it's just kind of yet another series of yeah, misadventures. Know. But yeah, uh, it's why. Why, Cartoon Network, why? <laughs> and I'm not saying that the content's not going to be good, but the character design, design. is just so 2015. Exactly. And, and not in a good way. Correct. Those googly eyes, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to perhaps brand yourself and make all of your characters look the same so everyone knows it's a Cartoon Network thing, but it's just not. Why tamper with perfection? Right, right. I mean... We'll, we'll see what we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm not like constantly watching Scooby Doo, so you know I, <laughs> I I'll see you know a, a preview of a movie that they'll release at Comic Con every year. Every every year Comic Con has some Scooby Doo panel early in the morning, and you know, there's <laughs> me with my cup of coffee and a donut sitting there with all the you know ten and eleven year olds watching the new, latest Scooby Doo movie. Right, right. And uh, and that's about the extent that I delve into it. I I love this franchise so much just from a nostalgic point of view that I'm like, why are you changing the the design of the characters. And this is why I know you're going to be an amazing anime fan because that's part of the, the, the fandom is really picking apart the art, quite frankly, and the mm-hmm. character design. And it's just so very subtle. Well, sometimes not. I mean, looking at this picture right now, I've clicked on your link and I'm looking at the googly eyes and it's driving me batty. I can't even, I can't function. Um, <laughs> but but it, it's so intrinsic in the medium, especially in animation, the, the character design, mm-hmm. that if they don't get it right, it doesn't matter how great the story is, quite frankly. Yeah, and if you don't have the ad on, you know, there's, if you can see the full picture, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can see that Daphne has a little Daphne puppet in her left hand. She has a Daphne puppet. Hang on, let me just make it bigger. Oh, yes, she does. And if you watch the clip, apparently she has puppets of all five of them. And I don't understand what she's doing with these puppets. And I think it's kind of one of those, Daphne is such an underdeveloped character in the group. Uh-huh. That... They're trying to give her depth with puppets. Which I don't know that that's the way to do it, you know? I, I feel like you've got... I feel like you've got Shaggy and Scooby, who are your core characters, and you've got Velma, who is the brains behind Brain. everything. And then you've got Fred and Daphne, who have really never grown out of their superfluous... You know, they're, yeah. yeah, they're pretty. Right. And so Fred has kind of become the jock. They've kind of dumped him down a little bit. He's all about the mystery machine in the car. Oh, is that what they've done with him? That's what he, they seem to... The direction they've seemed to gone with him, that he's a little bit more of the jock. And I think they just don't know what to do with Daphne, because she's not... I I don't think they want to just reduce her to the dumb blonde character, but... Give her a puppet? Yeah. I don't don't know how that's going to evolve her character. And maybe it's just a a thing for the first episode, but every preview that she's been in, she's had one of these stupid puppets. Oh my god. Well, how would you evolve the Daphne character being, you know, a Scooby aficionado... Well, I'd, I'd like to see her become a little bit more feminist independent. Like, you know, you've got Velma, who's a very strong character, but I think, you know, she's got the shorter hair. Mm. I think <laughs> she's the she's she's not the feminine woman. Okay. And so I think it's very easy to go, well, of course she's, you know, a feminist, or of course she's intelligent. She's the geek. 
Right, right. I, I'd like to see Daphne a little bit more. No, I'm strong. I'm not the damsel in distress. Uh, because this is going to be a, a, a very teacher-intensive... Okay. <laughs> very teacher-intensive episode. But I actually teach story arc using Scooby-Doo. Because if you go to the classic episodes, every every story has the exact same story arc. Oh, agreed. Absolutely. With the exact same kind of points that it hits. And mm-hmm. it just shuffles them around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And... Every episode, Daphne gets separated from the group and they have to rescue her. Uh, and it's kind of one of those things where, no, she needs to be her own. She needs to do the rescuing once in a while. She wow. needs to have something about her that makes her strong. Oh, my gosh. Brain fart moment. Because, you know, in the movies, Daphne is played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Right. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is Buffy. So they don't really have, in Scooby, they don't have your sort of weapons, martial arts, kind of like badass person. That's how they should evolve Daphne. Oh, that's she, really good. Right? She should be like, you know what? I am tired of you people rescuing me. And sometimes you come almost too late. I'm going to do, an, you know, like maybe do some sort of ninja training class. And she becomes the weapons expert. Can you imagine? She like pulls out this big old bazooka from her mini skirt and then just starts firing away. That would that- be really cool. Yeah, they need to do something with her. But I guess, you know, the other thing is, is that this is for children. <sighs> so... I guess we're kind of putting our adult spin on it, but yeah, yeah but in a good way. In a good you're, way. you're absolutely right. Sure, at, at the very, at the very least, give her martial arts skills arts. so that she can, you know, throw some bad guys around and, and not be she, the damsel yeah. in distress. And she could have some sort of like fun, you know, like these kooky terms that she uses, you know, like a death grip headlock or whatever. That yeah, she exactly. Out every time, but right before she uses it. I don't know. That'd be fun. Yeah, and then and then you've got kind of Fred doing the traps and stuff, which he's always kind of been known for setting up the traps, and Velma's the clues, and then you've got Scooby and Shaggy kind of being the, the bumbling people who end up saving the day accidentally, and you've got and a food. very strong... And food, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we shall see. Are you going to even follow it at all? You know, I'll watch an episode or two just because I'm curious. I, I want to give it a, a chance, and Let's if it's it. one of those where I'm like, it's a good show, but the... I just don't like the animation style, then I feel like I'm... I don't want to be one of the million mom movement (laughs) and just judge it without actually seeing it. Fair enough. (laughs) So you've got a couple of things that you've pointed out to us this week, and why don't you take the first of those? Okay. Oh, back to... (laughs) Now, the, the reason I am a Back to the Future geek is simply because the one claim to fame that my hometown has in Puente Hills is that it hosted the scene where Doc introduces Marty to the DeLorean and it goes shooting off for the first time ever in the first movie. And, you know, it it goes from Twin Pines Mall to Lone Pines Mall. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that thing was, that whole scene was filmed in the Puente Hills Mall, which happens to be in my neck of the woods. And ever since then, I've just followed, you know, covertly the Back to the Future franchise. Uh, Love, love, love Michael J. Fox anyhow because family ties right and so just kind of had a secret crush on the guy and one of my students now so many many years later was super excited comes barreling in my room one day and says miss edwards are you going to dress up and i'm thinking what for halloween he says no because october 21st 2015 and i'm still blank and he's like back to the future apparently that is the date that Marty McFly goes to in the second movie where he goes into the future. And that's the date on the DeLorean, October 21st. And that's when we supposedly have the hovercraft, or sorry, the hoverboards and all of that stuff. And so that 
is coming up. Now, mind you, so many people have changed the date on, and then they post it on Facebook. Oh, this is the day. This is the day. But if you go to the original film and you do a, you know, you, you, you pause the film when, when they shows it on the, on the screen, it's October 21st, 2015, and that's coming up. So if you want to celebrate your Back to the Future geekitude, I don't know. What would you do to celebrate Marty McFly? Well, I don't like him, I guess. I don't know. I'm going to have to bring out all my little DeLorean toy cars that a, a former student has given me and, uh, and put those out, and maybe that'll be my tribute for that day. I, I don't know how many people are currently Back to the Future. I think that's more of our generation, and so to hear that one of our students is all about it, I think that's exactly. really cool. Exactly. So we shall see, although it is rather disappointing, right? I, if you watch the movie and, and see the envisioning of the creators of what 2015 would look like, and being in 2015 right now and going, wait, Wait, where's the, where's my hoverboard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're falling oh. behind, guys. We're Come falling on, behind. Yeah. Although I'll I'll take the internet over the hoverboard any day. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. All right. Now there's a bunch of books coming out that you're really excited about. Yes, very much so. The first one is Saga, Volume 5. It's finally coming out. This is a remnant, if you will, of my comic book slash graphic novel geekitude. I kind of fell out of it. I think the last one I remember following really from you know, with my pull list was 100 Bullets. Mm-hmm. And then I know you tried to get me back into Fables because I was trying to do that, but I, uh, it's such a vast um, universe, I guess. Right. Uh, and, and so, and plus, really graphic novels are so expensive that unless you have a buddy who loaned them to you, it's <laughs> kind of difficult. Now, Saga is interesting because the writer of Saga is the same writer of Why the Last Man. Mm -hmm. So Brian K. Vaughn, I think that's how you say his name. And it's, I absolutely love this. It was introduced to me, oddly enough, by a style blogger friend. Oh, wow. (laughs) Right? So she was also a fellow comic geek slash style blogger, and she says, hey, you should really read this. And it was the first series that I've actually plunked down some money for since, gosh, you know, the early 2000s. And I love, love, love. I was trying to find a short explanation for you. And I love Amazon because when you go on Amazon, you know, the, the reviews are always so great. But basically, it's one of the reviews, the first review, if you go to Saga and, and you do a search for it, it basically says it's Sorrow Wars meets Romeo and Juliet meets Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. Right? Absolutely. So if you can just sort of pardon me while I read verbatim, it says... Um, It's the story of Marco and Alana, a pair of star-crossed lovers from different sides of warring planets. Alana is from the planet Landfall, a place of great technological advancement. And their planet is in constant conflict with the magic wielders of that planet's moon, Reef, where Marco hails from. So already super excited, right? You've got magic and technology in the same place. I mean, that's brilliant. And so Marco's captured after a battle with Landfall, and Alana is his prison guard, and they basically fall in love. And then Alana helps him escape. And the story, the very first volume opens, Alana is pregnant with Marco's baby and they're on the run. That's really cool. So I'm already interested. Yeah, I don't, I knew nothing about this when you put it on there. I'd heard of it, but I didn't, it was kind of one of those, I've heard of the, the book, but I've never known anything about it. And, and that is a great description to pull you in. Yay! And it's early enough in the series. Again, Volume 5 came out, well, September 15th, so last month. So I have Volumes 1 through 4, if you're interested. And because they're all compiled and they're all complete reads, telling you, it'll be fun to get into. Uh, you, you've got me hooked. Yes! <laughs> I'm yay. in. So then the other thing, the other book that I'm super excited about, well, see, Sandman Overture. I know you were talking about getting into Sandman. Yes, I've, right? I've read the first, the first graphic novel. 
Yay, Neil Gaiman is God, along with Joss Whedon. So Sandman Overture, oh my gosh, I've been following this series. And mind you, there's only six in the entire run. But I've been following it since, I would like to say, two years ago. And I've not read it because I like to binge read my, my series. So apparently the last installment, if you will, is coming out now. I'm waiting for it to come out in the mail. But the compilation of one through six is in November. So now I'm kicking myself. I should have just waited so I could just get a single volume instead of six separate comic books. But anything Sandman, anything Neil Gaiman must be brilliant. And all I know is that it's there. I've not read it yet, so I don't know if I can recommend yet. Okay. Now, have you read American Gods? Mm, oh, my gosh. I've not read Anansi Boys. Yes, I've read American Gods, yes. Okay. There's talk about that being an HBO series? No way! Yes, and I haven't read it. I started to read it and was distracted. I'm very bad about finishing books. <laughs> very bad about finishing books. And so that is on my pleasure reading for this year list because I want to catch up on it. I know that's Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. Yeah. All right. Well, now I must actually extend my HBO. So it comes out or find it in other places, the dark side of the internet. Okay. <laughs> And then the last bit, the last book, um, again, this is really just a shout out more for you know, the students out there who are listening. The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer was really great. I stumbled upon it from a scholastic book order, the first of which is called Cinder. And speaking of Star Wars crossovers, it's basically what I like to call it. It's Star Wars for girls. That's because, cool. Right, because all of the protagonists are female, and then they are also all loosely based on fairy tales. So it's like this mashup of fairy tale, sci-fi, opera, Cinder, in this case, of course, is Cinderella, but she's a half-cyborg, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and So there's been three books already in the series. There's Cinder, and then Cress, and I always forget the one that deals with Red Riding Hood. But the fourth book comes out, and it's Winter. Uh, that's the name of the book. And it comes out November 10th. I like the writing because it's easy, breezy. It's very refreshing from the angst of our previous young adult Barkley vampire things. Yes. <laughs> right? And because that's always my litmus test for young adult novels, you know? Is it Sparkly Vampire or is it better than Sparkly Vampire? And this <laughs> loads, loads better than Sparkly Vampire. And I like following the characters because they are very lovable. In fact, one of, it, it's so Star Wars. Centric, in fact, that in the third book we actually even get a Han Solo-esque character coming into play. Oh, nice! Which is very fun. So it's a it's a lovely um, you know offshoot of Star Wars. And so since that movie's coming out clearly, then this could be some way to get the non-space people into the fold. Very good. Yeah, I've got it on my list of reads based on your recommendation. Now I am not a big Doctor Who fan. But you have brought with you a guide today on how I might be able to catch up. Yes. First of all, I'm going to preface this by saying I am a new Whovian. And what that means is that I did not pick up on the series until the reboot with Christopher Eccleston, the ninth Doctor. Okay, now I, I always get this confused and I want to make sure that I understand this is the series that starts with the mannequins. <laughs> Yes. Okay. This is, this is a series that starts with Rose. That's the title of, of that episode. Yes. Okay. So, brief, brief background. First of all, being the Anglophile that I am, I knew I had to eventually, ultimately watch Doctor Who because mm-hmm. it's really part of their culture. But you're absolutely right. It's another one of those. It's so vast. I believe it still holds the title in the Guinness Book of World Records as being the longest-running TV show. You know, it started in the 60s. And come on, let's be frank. You know, you're talking about Night of the Living Dead in the 60s being cheesy. You're talking this is a TV show 
And so all of the early episodes have that sort of quality to it. And I can barely watch TV shows in the 70s, and I grew up in the 70s. So I was apprehensive and, and a little sort of overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. So thank goodness for the reboot. And the reboot happened, and please don't quote me on dates. I'm horrible at dates. But early in the millennium, in fact, that's why they sometimes they call New Whovians millennials. Okay. Correct. Because that's when it got rebooted. So Christopher Eccleston plays the ninth doctor. Because previous to the reboot, there were eight doctors. And as you know, the genius of the show is that the doctor is an alien and he has the ability to regenerate which is amazing both in story concept and in production concept. Because think about it, if an, if an actor wants out of the show, they don't have to create this whole new story about how this doctor is being replaced by that doctor. They just make the doctor, the character, regenerate into a brand new actor. Right. So it ensures the longevity of the show, basically. Yeah, right? now, what, what doctor are we on right now? Okay, so currently we are on the 13th Doctor, which is controversial in and of itself because I apparently in the earlier mythos of Doctor Who, he is only allowed 12 regenerations. Okay. And then he's done and then he has to die. But we're now on the 12th Doctor. 13th if you consider Day of the Doctor, but again, that's, that's complicated. So let's just call him the 12th Doctor for now. And that's Peter Capaldi. Okay. All right, so I'm super excited because the 12th Doctor has picked up from the 11th Doctor's companion, meaning Jenna Coleman, who plays Clara Oswald, is still along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that the Doctor, because he's an alien, but he has such a fascination for humans, always takes into his spaceship, into his TARDIS, a human companion. And so they travel with him because they, they are... The companions serve us, us, because we ourselves are human watching about the Doctor, and so the companion brings the human element into the show okay. so that we can relate. And so he has, 12, the 12th Doctor, Peter Capaldi, has inherited the Clara Oswald character from the 11th Doctor. Okay. And I love her. Jenna Coleman is brilliant. She's super fun. She's a strong character. But unfortunately, at least for me now, and I know a whole bunch of rabid fans are going to hate this, but I feel that... She has exhausted her chemistry with a doctor with Eleven, who was Matt Smith. Okay. And so when she's traveling now with the 12th doctor, Peter Capaldi, it feels off. Now, mind you, they've already had one whole season under their belt, so 13 episodes of Coleman and Capaldi together, and I still haven't warmed to the pairing. Right. So one of the, the feature stories that I've shared with you is that Jenna Coleman now is leaving Doctor Who this season. So in a way, I'm kind of happy about that because hopefully this gives Peter Capaldi a chance to sort of develop his own version of the Doctor with a new companion so it becomes a whole new uh, chemistry, if you will. So there's that happening in Doctor Who. We don't know when she's leaving. We don't know whether it's going to be before or after the Christmas special, which is the, the... the pinnacle, if you will, of the series is there's the Christmas special that happens on Christmas Day. And she's still there. She's still, you know, in, in the episodes, I've really only seen the first two of season nine. But, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued that she's going to be leaving and, and excited to see who the new companion is going to be. Okay, very cool. So, and she's a little bit of a, you know, a polarizing character right now, right? Because a lot of people feel the way you do, and a lot of people are like, no, she can do no wrong. Exactly, exactly. And and so uh, uh, people don't really blame her more than sometimes, and, and I wouldn't even say blame is such a strong word, but they attribute perhaps the the shakiness of, of the whole new season or new Doctor with Capaldi, but I, I think he's brilliant. It's so funny because the series opener for season nine was a two-parter, and... And I like that because it helps draw out the story. And when you see Capaldi on screen by himself, it's phenomenal. 
Mm. And then you see Jenna Coleman on the screen by herself, and it's brilliant. But when both of them are on on the screen together, I just get a meh moment. Gotcha. <laughs> so, and, and we'll talk a little bit about starter Doctor Who episodes for non-Whovians, but I just wanted to get that out there. Jenna Coleman's leaving. I'm sad to see her go. I wish her much, much luck because I hear she has grand plans. I, I think she's going to be playing a queen. I think she's going to be playing Queen Elizabeth in either a miniseries or a movie. Well, that's uh, cool. I know, but yes, excited to see the new companion, because he needs a new one. Very nice, and so I know enough about Doctor Who to not get myself screamed at on forums. Okay. Like, I know I, I know that I have to spell out Doctor. Yes. Um, I know that, I know what a TARDIS is, I know yes. what the sonic screwdriver is. Sonic screwdriver? Yes. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, you know, is it Daleks? I think yes. I, I kind of, I can identify Daleks in, in robot media, but that is the extent of my Whovian knowledge. Okay. So you need a starter kit. I do need a starter kit. All right. So because, again, as I said, I only know New Who, I'm going to start you off with a ninth doctor, and then we shall proceed. So I did a lot of research on this because... Quite frankly, I have my favorites, I have my personal favorites, but in terms of getting someone started, you, you do need, you know, a, a slower intro, if you will. Right. So you've seen the mannequins, and I agree, the production values <laughs> of pros were not up to par yet. I understand. You, you also have to realize that it is very episodic, which is lovely for people to walk in mm-hmm. to the series, right? So it, it's, it's a series of adventures that the Doctor has. You know that he can travel not only through space, but through time. Then you should also know that each series, which is a good, you know, 13 episodes in, in true British television fashion, that usually they go through a cycle of there's always the intro episode, and then they, they will always have a space episode, so something that happens in space. Okay. And then they will always have a time period episode where they, I mean, they've done everything from William Shakespeare's time to Agatha Christie's time to, you know, the Roaring Twenties. And so there's always a time travel period. Okay. So they have a set piece, if you will, so they can do costumes and stuff. And then there's always one that's an enclosed episode where everything happens in a, in a specific enclosed area. Okay. So my Doctor Who starter kit for you covers all of those type of okay. episodes and also gives you a taste of all of the Doctors because you really have to watch all of the Doctors to see how they inter- you know, how they interpret the roles. Okay. So um, I'm going to leave this in the links, if you will, but just kind of like to let you know what I've got up my sleeve for you. We would start with the ninth Doctor, which is Chris Eccleston. Um, he's, he was only there for one season. But he was brilliant. And I'm going to give you two episodes. It's called The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. Um, this is a two-parter. And this is set in World War II. And okay. it is probably one of the creepiest. Watch it with Matt and make sure there's at least one light on. Okay. <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it's quintessential Doctor in that he has to solve a mystery. The companion is thoroughly clueless, and this is Rose, of course, but extremely helpful. And we meet a fun, flamboyant character in the way of Captain Jack Harkness. Okay, so this Uh, is the introduction of Captain Jack. This is Captain Jack. And so you clearly are familiar with this character, and so this is a good starting point for you. Okay. And it was far enough in series, in the the season, that the production values were not mannequin-esque. Okay. Okay. Well, and this is good because I know that uh, Matt is a John Barman fan, somewhat, and so, yeah. you know, that might be a good way to hook him in. 
Absolutely. Oh, and, and I would recommend watching it like right now, in fact, you know, because it's Halloween and so it's creepy. Okay. You know, so it kind of sets the tone. In fact, after the podcast and after your, your, your builders come, you should watch it because it's nice and rainy. It's perfect. So The Empty Child and the Doctor Dances from that first season. Perfect. And then we move on into the 10th Doctor, who's my fave, David Tennant. He's my doctor. Oh, you should also know in fandoms, they always have my doctor, the one that they really hold strongest allegiance to. Right. And for me, that's 10, and that would be David Tennant. The Girl in the Fireplace is interesting because, A, it happens both in space and in time. Okay. So the premise is the doctor and his companion stumble upon a spaceship, the space, but then the spaceship is a portal into time, and so he actually goes and meets Madame Pompadour in, you know, 18th century France. Okay. So when he walks through the portal, then he's in her timeline. And it's also fascinating in that this is the woman that David Tennant, I believe, still currently is either romantically involved in in real life and or married to. Oh, okay. And it's interesting, too, because this woman, and I, her name escapes me, is the daughter of the fourth doctor or the man who played the fourth doctor. Oh, okay. So they're, it's a little incestual. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's, it's, but, but it, it's also, it shows how the doctor could be human. You know, cause sometimes you forget because he is in human form and he's kind of quirky like a human that you forget that he's a 900 year old alien. And so the girl in the fireplace sort of brings home the fact that he is alien, that he, he travels through time and space and here are all these people always waiting for him. And that's all I can say about that episode without giving away the feels at the end. Gotcha. But the girl in the fireplace is good. Plus, there's a human element. So if you don't like space and you want to get involved in, and empathize with the characters, that would be a good place to go. Perfect. After that, we would have Blink. And you know, you're familiar with Blink. I am familiar with Blink. And the Weeping Angels. But then, and that's a standalone. Oh, and by the way, that's, that's the fourth kind of episode that Doctor Who has. They have a Doctor Light episode where the Doctor doesn't configure very much in it. He's kind of almost a peripheral character. Okay. So that would be your Dr. Light episode. It would be Blink. Okay. And it's still with David Tennant, and he's still 10. And it's one of those things that everybody knows about, and everybody's like, even if you never watched any episodes at all, you have to watch that one, because it's supposedly just creepy as hell. Yes, yes. Oh, wait, no, you've not seen it? You're just familiar with it? I've seen I've seen a little YouTube clip that you've showed me once. <laughs> okay, all right. Then you have to watch it in its entirety. And the um, non- Doctor characters are fabulous. In fact, there was talk that there would be a spin-off, and it would have been fun to, for a spin-off with them. But Blink is obviously right there. So now we move on into Midnight. Um, Midnight is a companion light episode where everything is all the Doctor, and the companion has been left elsewhere until we just get everything about the Doctor. But it's also your stuck-in-a-box episode. Okay. So the whole thing is just he, he's they they get stuck in a sh- in a shuttle. And this, I think, is the second creepiest episode next to Blink. It's still David Tennant, and it is marvelous. I always kind of toy with, which should I show on Halloween to my students, Blink or Midnight? And so it's it's up there with Creep Factor. Okay. And still, Tenth Doctor, I want you to watch Forest of the Dead and Silence in the Library, because those that's another two-parter, and it, it introduces the character of River Song. You're not going to know who she is until you get into the 11th Doctor, but this two-parter shows the brilliance that is Stephen Moffat, who, by the way, will take over from Russell T. Davis with the 11th Doctor, and so his, his writing, he was a writer first mm-hmm. for the series, and then he kind of took over from you know, Russell T. Davis, and this two-parter is, I I think key because not only does it introduce a character that doesn't even surface in importance until you know 
several seasons later. Mm-hmm. But it also it, it's well, it happens in a library, and I'm I'm an English teacher, <laughs> <laughs> so just watch them. Um, and that moves you into the eleventh Doctor, and you need a regeneration episode. You need to see how the Doctor regenerates. Okay. And it's called the eleventh hour, and this is where you switch over from David Tennant to Matt Smith. Okay. And Matt Smith develops his own brand of Doctor. And so if you fell in love with 10 like I did, and you were really, really already set to hate 11, watching his regeneration episode really smooths things over because Matt Smith is such a delight. Now, is Matt Smith bowtie Doctor Who? Okay, so I think we tried to watch this episode when it first came out, and it was that jumping in midway, and we Mm -hmm. had no idea what was going on, and so we didn't stick with it. Right. But see, watching the previous episodes and then watching Matt Smith and seeing his interpretation, if you haven't been into the mythos yet, this should be the penultimate, okay, Okay. to get you in. Because the ultimate, I've saved the best for last, is you have to watch Vincent and the Doctor. Okay. And this is with Matt Smith, again, 11th Doctor, and he goes and meets um, Vincent van Gogh. And if you are not... If you don't get into Doctor Who by the last scene of this episode, then I've tried my best and more power to you. You can zombify all you want, but this is it. If you watch Vincent and the Doctor and you're not even a Whovian fan at that point, I'm like, I don't know what else to do with you, Joe. <laughs> okay, so this is this that that will be the litmus test. And really, I can get into anything geeky for the most part, so this will be my my uh, little experiment for my husband to see if we can turn him into a Whovian. All right. In that case, that that's true. This is our Matt Litmus test. And so he has to watch it. I would say if you guys can do it, a marathon run of like maybe four days in a row. Mm-hmm. So don't give yourself time in between. Like it has to be in a row, if you will, to really get into it. But I mean, normally I'd say just watch it all in one day. <laughs> <laughs> but four days in a row, don't let time elapse in between because then you'll forget. But yeah, if you can get, if you can convert him, that would be fabulous. And that is the end of the guide. That's Very it. cool. So this is this is cool because we have now put out a resource for people like <laughs> me, like my husband, who don't know Doctor Who, who might be interested, but just a little bit overwhelmed by mm. just the sheer volume of yeah. Doctor information. Right. And you know what? I've also left a link for you where it really does talk about – now, I've, I've talked about episodes – but the link that I'm going to leave for you also talks about all of this extra stuff you need to know, like you mentioned about how, you know, there's the TARDIS, obviously, and uh, the, the regeneration and all that. So it's ScreenRamp.com. I don't know if you're familiar with the website, but it gives you a Dr. Hugh viewing guide. So you, you walking in, you, you're kind of familiar with what goes on. Very cool. Well, thank you for that, because like I said, that is a very low area of geekitude for me, and I feel like a bad geek whenever somebody starts <laughs> talking about Doctor Who. I'm like, I, I don't know. I oh, don't it's know. Like, it's like me and Supernatural. I don't know. I'm not a true fangirl. I watched four, four seasons of Supernatural and loved it, but it just keeps going. And and at this point, it's kind of like you could never, in my mind, go back and catch up because it's just like, and it's still going. And they still haven't, like, avenged their father. That's all I know because I only watched the first episode. I, I, I don't know what they have and have not done. I mean, it's very, it was very <laughs> cool, but my understanding is, is that around season five it was supposed to end. And then they were like, haha, just kidding, and kept going. Good grief. No, I, just, I saw the first episode where those people were, like, dangling from the ceiling and blood and stuff. And I'm like, ooh, not for me. <laughs> Yeah, it can be a little bit creepy. Any any time you bring in demons into the mix, it's a little bit. This is very true. But then again, I survived Buffy. 
So I don't know. Yeah, but Buffy, the demons kind of could be, like, there were there were scary demons, but they always had this little comical bent to them. That's true. You know, she was very flippant with them anyway, so it very rarely was like, ooh, scary demons. <laughs> That's true. I agree. But yes, I didn't want to overwhelm you with the Doctor Who stuff, but I have left you your two links, and hopefully anyone that wants to get a heads up on who will find my links useful. Well, very, very good. Thank you so much for, for catching up on all of that. Yay, not a problem. All right. Well, let's go into convention news. This is going off of UpcomingCons.com. So, BossaCon is a three-day fun-filled event that offers late-night dances, video programming, gaming rooms, and many informative guests and fan panels. Many of the attendees take advantage of the opportunity to cosplay at the convention, and there are many gatherings for fans of different anime and manga series. Subasacon uh, <laughs> takes place October 9th through the 11th in Huntington, West Virginia. Join Conclave this October 9th through the 11th in Dearborn, Michigan, as they celebrate fantasy and science fiction in all its forms. Art, music, theatrical performance, film, animation, television, fantasy roleplay, renaissance reenactment, gaming, and for real. From writers to spaceship pilots, Rennies and Furries, Conclave is a gathering for anyone with a sense of wonder. Necronomicon is Florida's longest-running science fiction fantasy Fantasy and Horror Convention, held in Tampa Bay area October 9th through the 11th. Necronomicon will be celebrating its 34th year. It is a not-for-profit convention, and all proceeds go towards the next year's convention and to charity. OctCon, the National Irish Science Fiction Convention in Dublin, is a weekend celebration of the weird and wonderful, attracting artists, writers, filmmakers, and fans from across the human sphere of influence. On October 10th and 11th, OctCon will delve into the unsung genres and curious concepts of speculative fiction with workshops, panel discussions, and charming guest speakers. QuasiCon Gaming will be held at the Space Foundation and World Headquarters and Discovery Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado on Saturday, October 10th and Sunday, October 11th. Gaming events in the Springs will be organizing all types of tabletop gaming, board games, role-playing games, card games, and miniature games. Project Hype will be running video and PC games in other areas of the Space Foundation. QuasiCon Gaming will benefit the STEM, which is Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics Scholarship Program, and the Space Foundation. Hearthcore Fireside Gathering. The Hearthcore Podcast will be holding a fireside gathering at Boomba Tournament Center in Laguna Hills, California. The tournament will be conquest format with a $100 prize pool. For more information, visit hearthcorepodcast.com. Yeah, so that's comic conventions that are coming up next weekend. If you know of a comic convention or, or geek convention of any type that's coming up, please let me know and I'll add it here. I only go to upcoming cons.com for, for this information or if people let me know about upcoming things. So if you know of something coming up, let me know. All right. Do you have any shout-outs this week, Marcel? Anybody you'd like to uh, say mm. hi to? You know what? Shout-out to you, Joe, for even hosting me or even thinking about having me as a guest on your second podcast. I feel extremely honored and humbled because, as you know, I don't really profess my geekitude out loud very often. Aside from a couple of Doctor Who, you know, posters on my wall. So, yes, shout out to you and to your fabulous husband who allows you to spend two hours just geeking out with me on a Sunday. Yes, they, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, my, my shout out to you for, for being my second guest and for, for spending your Sunday morning when we could be sleeping in uh, <laughs> geeking out. I appreciate that. I also want to send a shout out to Sean Daly, who has been listening to the podcast and, and giving me some sound pointers 
which have been really helpful, and I'm very appreciative of that. And then um, another shout-out to our friends uh, Gene and Jeff, who who inspired us and invited us to to Not Scary Farm (laughs) and opened up the realm of of scary anything to my husband because he even thought that maybe I would be able to get him to start watching some scary movies here and there if they're they're not too scary. Big step, Matt. Big step. Big step. More power to you. I couldn't do it. (laughs) Do you have any geeky things coming up this week? Well, for sure, for sure. If I get better and I can stay up past 10, I am going to binge watch S.H.I.E.L.D. so I can catch up with you so that we can start talking about it at school. And I'm going to start reading the two zombie novels that I haven't read. But aside from, oh, and, you know, keeping up with my blog, of course, my style blog. But other than that, kind of a minimal geeky week for me, I'm thinking. Very good. Well, this week I'm very excited that um, Flash and Arrow are coming back to the CW. And so I get my, you know, just lots and lots of superhero television viewing fix starting oh, up again. Oh, stop it. You know it's because they're pretty men. They are. <laughs> they are. But again, you, you come for the pretty, you stay for the, the fun and adventures. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at www.bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com, where we will have uh, links to all the things we talked about in today's episode, including Marcel's wonderful guides to Doctor Who. And if you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at geektitude, or uh, my personal one, which is at epicgraze. Uh, Marcel, do you have any, any places you'd like to plug so that people can find you? Sure, myclosetcatalog.com. Again, catalog is spelled with a G-U-E at the end. I'm not really a Twitter presence because, well, I I don't tweet. (laughs) But uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at myclosetcatalog also. And you can email me at mtsedwards at gmail.com if you're interested. Well, there you go. Well, thank you very much, Marcel, for for hanging out with me this morning. And, Not uh, a problem. We'll have to have you back soon to talk about anime and <laughs> Limitless and all these other fun <laughs> things. It's been fun. I actually, this is a great way to start my week because Sunday's usually the end of a week, but now we'll think of it as the start of our week, and it Absolutely. was great. Cool. Thanks very much. And uh, to all of you out there, remember this week, keep it geek. <laughs>